Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. About a year ago, I had a conversation with a good friend of this program about what's going to happen with the university education. And that was for the calendar year 2020. Actually, 2020 bridging into 2021. So what kind of year was it going to be? And I thought it would be a good idea to have that conversation again this year and look at what lies ahead for 2021 for university students, particularly those who are first-year students, what to choose as far as courses are concerned, studies, and where, and how much might students and education suffer. My uh, guest is Professor Ken Coates, Canada Research Chair in Regional Innovation of the Johnson Triama Graduate School of Public Policy at the University of Saskatchewan. What to Consider If You're Considering University is one of Professor Coates' books. Ken, welcome back to the program. I, I just came across some notes the other day about our conversation a year ago about how 2020, the uh, the school year of 2020, was going to turn might turn out to be like. What was it like? Well, it's great to be with you again, and and it was a it was a bit of a mess. Um, I think the faculty members did an amazing job. The universities of transferring their courses online. Uh, the students had to adjust on the fly, and that was uh, that was difficult in the. In, in the spring of 2020, uh, they put the whole year together um, on online from September until until April. Um, so what actually happened? Well, enrollment actually held up reasonably well, uh, largely because there were not very many jobs for students to sort of go and uh, consider as a default option. Um, what we know is that the dropout rates were much higher than normal. Um, at the at more elite schools with higher entrance averages, the dropout rates were comparable to previous years. At the universities and colleges that have open entry, uh, they were quite dramatically down in Canada and the United States. Uh, so, so, you know, more people sort of dropped out of the program. Um, generally, a lot of students took fewer courses. They took three courses a semester instead of five, tried to find part-time work, that sort of thing. Um, the group I'm most concerned about are actually the ones going into university in September of 2021. Uh, they lost the end of grade 11. They dealt with grade 12 online. Um, we know that the failure rate is much higher than before, that the quality of the education, despite everybody's best efforts, is way down. And I think the September 2021 intake folks are going to have a really difficult time. When you say that the dropout rates were dramatically higher than previously and that you have concerns for the new co uh, core students going into university in 2021, let's look at those separately. The dropout rate, rate being dramatically higher, what does that speak to? Does that speak to an education ruined or interrupted? I'm really concerned. I don't want to be too dramatic about it, but I, I think we should start at least thinking about whether there's a bit of a lost generation here. Um, you have the kids that went basically from those who were in grade 10 last year to the ones through to graduating from undergraduate degrees in the in 2020. Um, that, that group has had a really rough ride. And when we have a rough ride, it tends to last for a decade or longer. Um, a lost opportunities, they don't do as well in school, they don't get into graduate programs that they want to go to, they can't find decent jobs. And of course, the job market's been in, in chaos in a whole bunch of different parts of the country. You know, so so I, I think we should be alert to the possibility that this whole cohort from people who were in grade 10 last year to the ones who graduated from university last year um, could actually be in serious long-term difficulty. 
it, it, their life has been messed up, not through no fault of anybody other than this crazy pandemic. Um, but they are really going to going to struggle. And I really urge parents and, and young people as they're contemplating going forward that they do so with, with great care and caution. Uh, they don't just follow the crowds. They think about what, what they're capable of doing, what they're interested in doing, and where their back where their background preparation fell down. You know, so so I'm really worried about going this this next group going forward. But also, that's really a group of about about people a six year age gap uh, between the ones in grade ten to the ones who've graduated from university, and we could be watching that group for a decade or more before they sort of start to catch up with their peer groups. Well, uh, you said to uh, to me previously on this program, I think it was maybe three or four years ago, you said that uh, what many students will do when they go to university is they'll follow the herd. So whatever the, whatever the flavor of the month is or the flavor of the year is or the flavor of that particular time is, as far as educational pursuit is concerned in post-secondary education, they'll choose it because that's where their friends go. Uh, what, uh, I'll ask you to expand a little bit on what you just said. What should they do? What do they need to do as they look to going to university in September? And again, going to the title of your book, and you've written so many great books, but this is the one that applies to the universities. What to consider when you're considering university? What do they have to consider? <laughs> That's a great question. So the, where, where's the herd going? Well, the herd's going to business schools. Business schools enrollment, enrollments continue to rise quite dramatically. They're going if they're if they have the right ec- educational background. They're going into uh, into computer science and engineering, um, and into the health and the health fields. So that that's where the herd is, and those areas are in, experiencing very sharp, and sometimes very dramatic increases in attendance. Um, the social science, the humanities, the fine arts are having experiencing very sharp declines. What's also happening is the students are selecting the institutions with the higher reputations. So you're getting a lot more applications to the universities of Waterloo, uh, to Western, to Queens, Toronto, UBC, the University of Alberta, places like that, and much many fewer uh, applications to places that are actually extremely good at what they do. But you know, Brock is not on the top of most people's lists. Same with Windsor, same with Nipissing, Lakehead, uh, Brandon University, Lethbridge, et cetera, et cetera. So depending on what part of the country you're in, there's some really interesting dynamics there that are mirrored in North America. So what, what, what that shows to me is that people are following the herds, that they're actually just going where, where everybody's talking about, which is going to business school at the University of Toronto, that, that kind of a model. What should they consider? Uh, they should consider whether they're ready for, for, for university. Um, and the, the check I always have with parents is, what are your kids reading? Um, and if they're not reading very, very much, if they're not reading magazines and newspapers, if they're not reading books, if they, they're not paying keeping up on current events, they should really seriously consider whether they're ready for university at all. Uh, because students who are not engaged with the world really have trouble in first year university. Second thing, they should look at their core skills. Can they write? Can they do basic mathematics? Can they, can they do sciences and things of that sort? And they have to really ask that question this year because, again, they, they lost a third of the year in 2020. They, lost, they had a complicated year online learning in 2020-21. It's pretty, pretty likely, in fact, that, that there's a big gap between their level of preparation and where students would have been you know, last year, the year before, and the year before that. Um, and I think we need a, people need to sit down with their parents, with their, with their teachers, and have a really serious talk about, about what they're ready to do. And it may be, for example, in the sciences, I hope a lot of people do go into the sciences. We need many, many more doing those fields in Canada. 
Um, I hope they, they, they consider taking a, a sort of a, a, a bridging program, um, you know, taking grade 12 um, biology or physics or mathematics over again to make sure they're ready. Uh, taking a sort of a first year course that's designed for people who've never had physics or, or never had biology, that they actually look at those kind of transitional uh, uh, classes. Um, so they don't just think that things are normal because things are not normal. And in fact, people have to adjust to the realities of the time. Uh, if they don't, what will happen? We already have at least a 30 to 35% failure rate among first year students. Um, I'm worried that this next year it will be significantly higher than that. Um, and, and that we, you know, that people will be profoundly disappointed, mad at themselves, mad at the schools, mad at the universities. You know, these are hard times and we need to have good and hard conversations. Yeah, you mentioned this is this is stunning. Thirty to thirty-five percent failure rate. You mentioned uh, earlier in our conversation today that quality of education is down, and uh, I, I wonder then will universities and colleges be forced to change direction at a moment's notice as far as courses and uh, and marking is concerned? Is this a fluid reality? I mean, there has to be marking because either you're going to make it or you're not as far as your academic career is concerned. But there has to be flexibility, you know. Well, well, sort of no. <laughs> the, the answer is I no. Know, I, no. I knew it. As soon as I asked the question, I knew the answer was no. <laughs> if you don't want your engineer to have, uh, have missed You're out right. on 20% of the classes. Yeah. And you don't want your dentist to sort of miss the part about making sure the freezing had, had taken, right? Right, right. They have, to, they have to have all the basic knowledge. So universities have always presented themselves as sort of the defenders of the standard. And sometimes in, in league with their professional associations, whether it's accounting or engineering or nursing or whatever. So the reality is somebody, you have to sort of start somewhere. And universities in their first year program say, okay, we, if you've got a grade 12 physics credential, we assume you know A, B, C, and D. And if it turns out you only know A and B and your C and D are kind of fuzzy, you're going to really lag behind in that first year. But when you talk to first year professors, they say, but my obligation is to get people ready for second year class and second for third and third for fourth. So if, if I slack off and lower my standards, that means I've simply punted the problem into the next year, which will punt it into the next year. Yeah. <clears throat> so most professors are, are quite uh, insistent that they sort of maintain the standard of what a first year physics class or English class or French class happens to be. And many of them, I know this for a fact, will be will be very flexible, but not perhaps in the way you're talking. Because if if you mean will you grade grade uh, somewhat easier so the students have more chance to pass, the answer I hope is no. Um, but if the answer question is will they do upgrading classes? Will they do extra seminars? Will they do tutorials? Will they set on special programs to assist the students with those transitions? The answer will be yes. But it's kind of episodic. It's not every professor doing all the same things. So I think it's very incumbent upon the students and their parents to, again, think really carefully about where they're going and why they're going, why they want to be there, um, and to be prepared to work harder than they've ever worked before. They didn't have to work hard to finish up 2020. They didn't have to work hard in the same way for 2020-21 because of all the, all the online learning and all the adjustments we made there. But I'll tell you, the rubber hits the road in first-year university. And, and people better be ready for it and be ready to put in the extra hours. So whatever parents are doing, do not let your kids work more than 10 hours a week. And we know statistically that if students work more than 10 hours a week, their grades start to go down. Right. And a lot of parents who, because the parents have had a rough time and they have lost their income, are saying, okay, well, Mary's going to work 20, 30 hours a week on a part-time basis. She'll just have to work around that. Statistically, we know that doesn't work.
There's okay. only so much time. A university program is a full-on commitment. Um, and, and if you slot back into, oh, they're going to work part-time, again, it's going to show up in a lack of time to study, uh, poor performance in the classroom, and an inability to make the right career choices later on. Uh, another one of Professor Coates' books is From Treaty Peoples to Treaty Nation, A Roadmap for All Canadians. Ken, one of the issues that we talked about last year, and we're kind of limited on time here, but it's it's something that we need to uh, speak about, and I'd like your thoughts on how well have governments uh, performed through the pandemic, given the responsibilities they have, the promises they make, the commitments they make, um, all of them from the federal to the provincial to the municipal levels. How would you rate them? Well, a mixed bag, to be honest. Um, I do not want to be them. I think it's very easy for us who are not in government to sit back and throw, throw some needles at them from time to time. Um, we've done well in certain areas. We had an emergency response in the spring of 2020. I thought the first three or so months um, went well. Um, when the federal government started talking about the crisis as an opportunity and started introducing uh, broad social programs and engaging in a round of uh, deficit financing that scares me, scares me witless, um, it, we got offline. Uh, we started mixing up a crisis with, uh, with a long-term sort of political agenda. And quite frankly, I thought we needed to spend a year fighting the war, the war in this case against COVID-19. Um, in certain areas, we did really well. Uh, the response to Indigenous folks and their uh, issues and threats around the pandemic proved out to be quite good. Uh, we did really well in the north, uh, Yukon Northwest Territories and Nunavut. Um, you know, provinces provinces uh, you know reacted brilliantly in the Maritimes, um, uh, reluctantly on the prairies, um, and they're paying a price on the prairies now, even even at this late date. Um, Ontario <clears throat> made some big mistakes at the beginning, middle and end, um, and the same with Quebec. And so we, it really has been a, a mixed bag. Um, I think the local municipal governments are the, are the real uh, champions of this whole process. Uh, they had to deal with a whole bunch of a whole bunch of things that they're unexpected without a lot of money to deal with and not a lot of time to figure, figure them out. Um, so, you know, we, we kind of get the governments we vote in. And, and I think it's, it's kind of sad to watch at the federal level the, the mixing of the pandemic with the, the long-term political agenda. I think that was, that's unnecessary. Um, and for those of us who are not, uh, I'm not a deficit hawk in the same way that, that some people would be, but I'm very, very concerned about this sort of uh, unlimited spending that's actually, actually going on. And, and I, I think, you know, we were, we've talked during the previous section about sort of a lost generation. Now we've got a situation where that lost generation is going to have to pay for this one. Um, and that, that really, really concerns me in the, in, in the, longer, in the longer haul. If, did we learn one thing? We learned one thing, and that was that we weren't well prepared, uh, that we compared to other countries. Other countries were better prepared for the pandemic than we were. Um, we have not spent anywhere near enough time asking ourselves why Vietnam was so successful, uh, Taiwan was so successful, Japan, uh, comparatively speaking, successful. Uh, other countries have done much better. And let's, let's hope we take the opportunity to reflect on um, how those countries made better decisions sooner. All right. uh, they made tougher, tougher choices. They closed their borders, et cetera, et cetera. If you want to hear more, Subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.